News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We are finally back all together. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Morning, guys. Good morning. Here we go. We've had some holidays, kind of uh, you first, what, Rick, then Jill, and I was away last weekend as well, so finally back all together. Yes. A team again. Team again. This is exciting. It was so nice to come back. Um Especially like with it being so cold and the day I came back, we fired up the greenhouses and it was plus 20 in the greenhouses. The staff were skipping. (laughs) Um, We were getting the soil bags broken open. It smelled like fresh soil and we started planting our hanging baskets. That was the day I got back. And that's pretty good. It was the best thing to come back to. Just the energy of the staff and seeing our little, we call them plant babies. They all had smiles on their faces. They were excited about getting their hands in the dirt and planting. All right. Exactly. You know, and you're right. It is the smell that it, that it comes down to and, and things get warmed up and there's just, you know, I mean, there's, there's the tropical section at Dutch growers, for example, yep. always that, you know, has a great smell to it, but then you get it more and more and spread it out. And yeah, it's great. I, I even, I was hooking up the water and I had my first water fight with them too. Oh, really? I gave him a little spray with the water. <laughs> I think there was a few water fights. When you, always when we turn on the water, we have a few pipes that have broken and, and things around the greenhouse. It's kind of like everybody bring a change of clothes. <laughs> Somebody's getting wet today. Somebody's getting, getting wet. wet today, yes. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us uh, if you're listening right now. one 332 8255 is the number you can call to join the conversation. Uh, if you want to text us, use that. If you want to call us, use that as well. Uh, of course, we'll take calls first. Uh, we, we're going to start today... With just that is what else is happening in the greenhouse. So, no, so hanging baskets are kind of getting put together. There's some that are up now. How many hanging baskets do you guys do? We do about 2,400 of our own hanging baskets. And then we bring um, from a local um, prairie garden center, bring in another about 1,200 in. Wow. And then some more come from BC of some weird and unusual varieties as well, okay. too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're bringing them in for, from, from all over. and uh, But we grow about 2,400 ourselves. And just getting some of those mixed um, planters, those unique recipes. Um, a lot of times you can see some straight calabrocoa or some straight million bells or wave petunia baskets at the grocery stores, but we just want something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what we're, we start creating those uh, combinations back in August. Um, and we kind of analyze which ones we like the best, which colors we liked, which colors are going to be a hit, some new varieties for the next year. Nice. And we put those together and it's fun. We get to name them all different things. I think there's one called Material Girl and Super Super mom and uh, different things like that. But the staff really love to give some input um, on what the customers have enjoyed previous years, what they're asking for, and then uh, getting some new varieties. And the other thing that we're starting to do too, a lot of people don't know. So you might have some some st- annuals growing in your house and it's really good to be trimming them. And even when my annuals, before I put them into my containers, they're maybe like about two inches tall and they maybe have about three or four sets of leaves and I'll cut them back down to about an inch tall. Oh. And that just helps them get bushier. And uh, that's a really important step and something that I'm always training my staff and they're always watching me and they're like, oh, they just started blooming. They're so cute. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to cut all those blooms off. <laughs> and that's just such an important step to get your plants growing nice well, and Well, we've got a bunch healthy. of coleus in my house that we're you know keeping we've kept shoots from last summer and the rest of the plant goes because it ends up in a bat in a you know 
a big root ball, like yep. just overgrown by the time summer is done. But then we can keep a slip of it and keep it going. We'll have that same plant for next year. But even those, we have to keep keep trimming this time of year, like down, down, down. And then, but then they they do get bushier, which is great. Yep. You know, when you do that, they tend to get and when and when you get thicker them, when you plant them outside, then they just they're a nice big bush. Yeah, it, it, it's fun watching them because they they have it's just like a restaurant, right? They got all the recipe pages on. It said it's taped to the planting machine, right? <laughs> and so they're all looking. They're all looking at the next recipe. You know, what are we going to put in this one? What are we going to put in yeah, this one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's go, that's awesome. That's awesome. How about uh, over in the tropical area? So in the tropical area, I'm finding it's starting to get a little bit busier with customers coming in, wanting some green in some of their office spaces. They're, as they've taken down their Christmas decor and things, things are looking a little bit empty. And so just trying to find things for, for their spaces. And uh, we are getting ready um, for some new shipments of tropicals coming up from the south. Mm. Um, so that will be exciting. Hopefully we'll have citrus in again soon and some more larger tropicals in the winter season. It's really hard to transport things when it's minus minus 30 um and so we we try and avoid bringing some of those bigger things in throughout the january months um february months so we'll be we'll be gearing up to get some of that bigger stuff in too so that's you believe it's gonna be march like just a couple days i know (laughs) that's great hey what happens what happens in march usually or april gardenscape right is that happening this year 24th 24th and we're we're gearing up for that yeah. yeah Yeah, that's going to be great. We had, a, we had a meeting just this last week about planning for all the gardens and everything else that's going to be going up. So it's going to be good. It's going yeah, to be lots of seminars. I know there's going to be pruning seminars yeah. and teaching a container gardening seminar and soil health seminars, a whole bunch of different a lot things on, on composting. Yep. Um, urban vegetable gardening is becoming huge. Um, so a lot of on like farm to table, um, how we can sort of be producing some things in our home and uh, doing that little bit of food security. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge, huge topic. So there's like, there's four weeks to go. We're going to be there, which is fantastic. Okay. We're going to get to the text line in just a moment here, but right now we're going to go to the calls and we're going to go over to Brian, who is in Saskatoon, wants to talk about peat moss. Is that correct, Brian? You want to talk about peat moss? Yeah. I've uh, I've just been gardening for a couple of years and, uh, my garden, you needed a jackhammer to uh, get through it. The soil turned so hard, and you told me last year to put peat moss and some purelay with it. Now, that uh, fixed up the problem. I'm just wondering, though, uh, whether I have to keep adding a little bit more each year or yes. what? Yes, because your, your peat moss breaks down, okay? Okay. So uh, what you can do if you want more of a permanent issue, you put things like gypsum in. Because gypsum okay. doesn't break down like peat moss, okay? You don't need to add more pyrolite, though, eh? Uh, pyrolite just makes it more porous again. It's like it's like a it's like a it's it's like that gypsum, which is like more like a like a rock type of thing. But they do break. It does break down a bit, but not like peat moss. Pyrolite will stay in the soil longer. Um, if it's and but if it gets and if it gets really really hard, then you want to put in some cedar mulch, okay? Some some fine cedar mulch. And then all those okay, now, all those now, sticks. Uh, you can't add too much uh, peat moss, eh? Like it won't no, no, you, you, dilute your soil down or anything. No, no, it breaks down. The only down. thing, if you add too much peat moss, it's going to retain too much moisture. So you have to watch that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, you're not going to be oh, yeah. putting it a foot thick in your garden and rototilling it in. Okay, you're going to be just putting in a little thin layer yeah, and then yeah. working it in. Okay, well, thanks a lot, guys. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Take care. 
Bye. 1-877-332-8255. Let's take a quick break. We're going to get to a text from Debbie here about an orange tree, which is pretty cool. We were just talking about citrus coming into the garden center, so we'll get to that in a moment. 1-877-332-8255. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. See, I don't know about you guys, but I certainly feel like I'm getting cabin fever these days. You know, like, okay, that's, that's enough. I, I need, uh, I need a break. You guys had a little break yourselves. You guys went, uh, did some, some traveling, some hot des- destinations, Jamaica, Mexico, that sort of thing. But, uh, if you've been uh, here in Saskatchewan, you know, it's been like, Okay, starting a little crazy now. Ready to start yes. seeing the crocuses pop out of the snow and most definitely and getting things going. But I think that itch is coming along in the past week. We've seen more and more people show up in the garden center and picking up their soils and wanting to get started with gardening in, inside their homes. And that's so, so exciting. Well, let's, let's talk about seed starting in a second. But first, let's get to a text here from mm-hmm. Debbie at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. 332 8255 It says, uh, my orange tree needs you guys. It's beautiful, but no blooms. Eight years old. A part of the family. I planted another for cross-pollination about five years ago, but no luck. Uh, Cut it down one year, grew up again, and it's beautiful. Can this tree produce? Any advice? Well, orange trees, and she has it indoors probably for sure because it's a tropical plant. Um, Some of the varieties are actually hybrids, so they actually don't need to be cross-pollinated. So that will be just wondering which variety she has. And some of them are grafted varieties too. So um, that's something that you want to watch. You want to make sure that your pH um, in your Mm -hmm. soil, you have a high acidic soil. So making sure that you have like a high peat um, content in your soil is really important too. The other thing is, is making sure that you're fertilizing, especially from the months of March until about October. So that's how you're going to get blooms. You're going to get blooms. It's fertilizing. And what type of fertilizer? Um, you want to use something that has like um, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, but your nitrogen has to be hot, about two times higher than your um, than your other one. So a ten five five or um, a, a four two two or something like that. So really watch that your nitrogen is higher. Um, or you can move to an organic fertilizer and make sure you got some um, seaweed or kelp in that as well too. That's going to be perfect for that. Now, if you haven't had any um, pruning, sometimes what what helps is lowering your nighttime temperatures a little bit. So you want to mimic their natural environment when they're going to be blooming. And so early spring is generally when things start blooming and and things like that. And your nighttime temperatures are at 16 degrees and your daytime temperatures are a little bit warmer. So um, putting them in an area where they get lots of bright sun, um, but they're still not like really, really hot, that also nope. helps too. One thing you want to be important, if you just want to use a fertilizer, there's a citrus fertilizers out there, yeah. okay? Yeah. Or otherwise, if you just want to use your regular fertilizer or the organic fertilizers, you are going to have to get a little bit of aluminum sulfate. Right. Because you have to have a sulfur content to get that acidity. Because our water in Saskatchewan, in most cases, it's around six. Is, is, is more alkaline. Yeah. Okay, so it's high pH. Yes. And that's one reason why your plants won't do as well. And then, so you need to lower the pH down to about at least 6.5 to 7. Right, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's where you want your pH sitting. So a lot of, for what Debbie's looking for, for getting, getting it to bloom. And then when, when, when you actually do get it to bloom, you're going to have to cross, if you want fruit, some of them, like you say, will self-pollinate. Others will you have to cross-pollinate, right? Yeah. If they're indoors, there's no bees or bugs to really do that. Be the bee. And you've heard Rick say that lots. Exactly. And so you can take yeah. a little, um, like Q-tip and you can touch the stem of the flowers and sort of go around and touch those to the right. other flowers. So you kind of well, just play connect the dots. But, exactly. so but she's not getting flowers. So exactly. number one is lots of light. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you need like plus eight yep. hours of sunlight a day in a south or west facing yep. window would be ideal. Okay. Yep. And then a fertilizer. Fertilizer. And then pruning is really important. Now, um, if you want to, your plant 
um, what, what is known for the citrus plants, especially indoors, is sometimes they're, they put lots of energy into their root growth. So when you repot it, trimming their root systems actually will help more energy into the top mm, of the plant. Because so. we always talk about plants will want to reproduce more when they're under a bit of a stress. Yes. Okay, so pruning the roots of the top, those kind of things, transplanting, it's all a stress. And it's saying, okay, I'm a little bit stressed right now, so I want to reproduce myself. Right. Okay. Make so sure that's that the what that's a lot of times will trigger it. And you're not going in and cutting all the roots yeah. off the plant. No, right. You're no, no, like no, no, no. just doing a light trim and then maybe ruffling the roots when you're transplanting. Especially your if plant. the roots are spiraled, you know, like trying to get root bound, you know. Right. And what a lot of people don't realize is because um, the winter seasons in Saskatchewan, we don't get much sunlight. So your plant is actually going dormant for the winter. And yeah. a lot of times they'll lose almost all of their leaves in the winter season and you'll still get a piece of fruit on the plant. Um, <laughs> yes, it's strange it, seeing it's that. It's the st- strangest thing. You'll have like these few sticks coming on the ground. So don't be alarmed if you feel like your plant is losing its leaves. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm overwatering or oh, underwatering and then they adjust their watering and they kill the plant. I think what's, um, what's hard to remember is yeah. that, that these, like a, a tropical plant like that, a citrus, you know, an orange, orange tree lives in such a different climate than what we have here. And it does take some work to mimic that climate to get it to do that because you said less sunlight. It's, you know, you think, well, we got lots of sunlight. Sure. Yeah. But even the intensity of our sun, you know, in the winter months is maybe a quarter of what the intensity is coming up now. It it is now, but for a few months, the intensity is very low compared to where that tree is used to living. Right. Exactly. So for the ideal conditions, you always want to look back. Where is this tree from? Where are the ideal conditions for that? And how can I mimic that or get as close to that in, in my home environment? So Debbie, uh, she just responded and said, great advice. I have it under a grow light all winter. That's great. And hopefully you can look, look at some of the other things we talked about with this thing. I suppose keeping it rather moist, not letting it dry, dry, dry out is probably important with a citrus yeah, tree too, not right? Too wet, not, but not too wet. Not too wet. And remember even. in the winter, it goes dormant. So you're watering it even less in the so winter. So hopefully some of that will help you get that thing going, Debbie, so you can get yourself some oranges. <laughs> and then you do can this. Sh- Let us know how it goes. Yeah. And then you can share one with us. one 332 8255 Okay. We've got another one here. I don't think she's going to share, Jay. After oh. that many years of trying to get one, she's going to enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, let's see. This is from Daryl, who's in Saskatoon. I cut down a couple of mugo pines. They were 15 plus feet high yep. and, of course, about 10 to 15 feet wide. Yep. Uh, at the stump, about five inch diameter branches. Looks like an up the, upside down octopus, he says. What will underground be like? Is it a root? Does it root like a regular pine? He's wondering. Will a stump grinder get rid of it? He wants to put some perennial and annual no. flower beds in the place of yep. these mugos. Pines have more of a stick root system, uh, not like a like a spruce. Uh, have uh, a lot more of a fibrous root system. Okay. But pines tend to have a stick root system, so they're easy to tick out. Uh, so it shouldn't want. be that complicated no, to no. get it out. And they're usually times, fairly shallow. A lot of times with a mugo pine, it's just a matter of. Um, going with a shovel and cutting on the backside of, of the roots down, you yep. know, maybe a foot down or so, and then tie a chain around them and just, just give a light tug with them with the, with a, with a truck, you know, with a chain and truck. And then, and as your tug, given a light, not jerking it out, but just give a light tug, you keep notching your shovel in the backside and they just fold right out really easy. Okay. Yep. It's not, it goes really simple like that. If, unless it's in a backyard, you just can't get a, anything by it. And then you could grind it down if you want, because uh, there's not much down there. Once you, once you get them down below the surface, they won't, they won't re-sprout again. They won't grow again. Okay. So okay. then, and then anything that's under there, if, as long as it's not grass, I mean, 
Yeah, no, the, 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 they'll root and you'll get mushrooms growing up from the dead roots and that kind of stuff. But I mean, you can still plant your, your, um, your other perennials and everything around it. Yeah, no and you can always do a pH test on your soil. Make sure your soil is, uh, yeah. is a good pH. Yeah, if and... your mucopine's been there for a lot of years, which this one has been big time. Yeah, 10 to 15 And if your feet, pH yep. is really low, then you can always add a little bit of lime to that area and then you can plant your perennials right away. Okay. All right, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We wanted to touch on this uh, just before we get to the break. Here is that you know I I was in uh, big box stores in Canadian Tire yesterday, and the seed racks are out, and yep. it's huge. Yep. You know, and All there's over. lots of selection right now. At the moment, it's not going to be the case in just a few weeks, but there are starting to be some seeds we're going to get starting here pretty soon, right? Yeah, and it, that's really important. Is um, what you're doing when you're picking up your seeds is you're planning for your entire garden for later. So make sure that you're checking the dates on those seeds packages and remember those are the dates you're needing to plant um, at the first frost right before the first fr- the, the, last the last frost, frost. sorry not the first frost the last frost um, so make sure you're counting back in your calendar because so a lot of people weekend. are getting excited and they're planting all these seed babies right now and uh, if you have a 60-day tomato and you're planting it now you're gonna have a very large tomato plant in your home um, right up until the the, the May long weekend right. where you can finally put it outside and the trouble is if you think about this this past year 2022 spring mm-hmm. uh, it was so frustrating because we were hauling plants in and out of our house yep. exactly from like till till June till just yep. about the very beginning of June. And I thought, this next year, 2023, I'm not going to buy anything until the end of May because we bought it like May long weekend and it was every day for two weeks or three weeks hauling them in and out because A, it was just like not hardened off, but B, too cold. It was going below yeah. zero. And then the year prior, we were planting out like almost Mother's Day. We were getting ready to plant out. It was such a warm spring. So it's just, it's really hard because we don't know yeah. what we're going to get. But if you're doing hot, if you do have any of the, like, the hot peppers and those kind of things, yep. you should have those in pretty hot quick now. Hot peppers, your woody herbs. Your, your um, green, your sweet peppers, you, you, you got lots of time yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But your hot peppers, you need to get them going right away. Uh, there is some tomato varieties that you need to get going right away. Uh, like yeah, your heirloom varieties. You they take longer then? It's like 120 days for some of those, yep. whereas your newer, like bush early girl yep. varieties are only like 60 days. So if you like yeah. growing celery, you need to get that going right away as well. Mm, okay. So. Uh, bottom line, I like to think about what do I want to grow in my in my yard that's kind of weird, unusual, I can't find everywhere. And then I'll pick those things up, get those things seeded and started. And then I'll, I'll also go to the garden center and think, what are some things that I can get as a bedding plant that I can pick up closer to my actual seeding date? Right. And then and also get those. So I do a combination of both. Okay. Hey, so get get looking for those seeds. We're going to take a quick break right now. We've got a news update for everybody around here right at this moment. And then back with more Garden Talk. So join the conversation. one 332 8255 You can call or text that way. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick, and we're all back together today, which is fun. Uh, this is from, I think it's Dustin. He's in the text line at one 332 8255 Two questions. Where would be an ideal spot to start a patch of horseradish? Is there anything special you got to do with horse? <laughs> One thing you have to know about horseradish yeah, is it's it like a, a noxious weed almost. <laughs> and so wherever you plant it, uh, you know that you're going to have it there forever. And um, so sometimes if you're wanting it to not be as invasive, I would take like a big 10-gallon pot or a large 16 to 18-inch container, bury that into the ground Take first, the bottom out. Take the bottom out, bury that into the ground, and then plant your... Um, 
horseradish in there, and then it's not going to spread, spread past that. that or area. even you could take a slice of a, a rain barrel or a plastic barrel. Or right? you could dig a big hole, and you can line the outside edge with landscape fabric, right? Stick it above the ground. And that'll keep the roots from growing outside that area. Besides that, though, there's really nothing special about where it has to be. Like, it needs to be in a nice hot, sunny okay, area. Hot. So a south or west facing exposure, something is going to get more than 8 to 10 hours of sunlight. And not, not shaded. You not know where shaded. a lot of people put it if they have a back alley? It's between the fence and the back alley. It likes yeah. dry areas. So if you have an area yeah. that's like right by an eaves trough or an area that's a little bit like a lower area in your yard, that's probably not the best area you want. Uh, a so nice, hot and dry. Hot and dry. Bright sun. And then you won't need to keep under now, control. Under control. So the funny thing is, his second part of his text is just about keeping that. He's like, "What's the best plan of attack to get rid of portulaca, <laughs> which is that noxious weed that yeah. everybody has a tough time with, right?" Yeah. And so there is portulaca as an annual that we buy, and it's a flower. It's not hardy here, so there is that variety. But then there's the portulaca weed um, that's really hard to get rid of. Some pick it before too. it goes into into flower. Okay. And and put it in. A, have a pail or something, a box, a pail, whatever, in the middle of the garden. And just every time you pick one, throw it in the pail. Don't just pick it and leave because it on the ground. Because all those seeds will just spread all over the place. And if you just rut try rototilling them, every, if you cut it up into a zillion pieces, you'll yeah. have a zillion plants. Right. It just okay? keeps spreading from it there. It keeps spreading from there. So pick it, put it in a box, and pick it. try to pick it before it goes to seed. And if you do pick it, don't be walking, shaking it across your garden because you're just dropping a zillion seeds all over the place, right? Starting it all over again. So starting all over. So like I said, just have a pail in the middle of the garden. Leave that pail there and pick it. Put it carefully into the pail, and it dries up in the pail and doesn't spread. Okay. So that's what you get rid of. Is this Roundup work or anything like that? Uh, well, you don't want to use too many of those in the garden, right? No, so, that's right. So it's, picking is the best way. Okay, and then if you're doing that horseradish patch, make yep. sure there's something that's going to contain it. Or okay. you'll end up with the same story. Yep. You'll have horseradish growing everywhere. Yep. It'll just go wild, right? Yeah. It does. It, it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why you can you can go to a farm, an old old homestead, like in the middle of nowhere. The buildings are collapsed. Yeah. You know, uh, got the, the nice horseradish patch. Yeah, and it's the, maybe there's a, a little bit of a windrow left for some some tree breaks, but there's not even a house. But you can find the place where the garden was because you'll find the horseradish or right? the rhubarb or the rhubarb. Right, both of them like the same type of situation. Or maybe the asparagus. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. They'll, they'll, those yep. things will outlive the the house and the Absolutely. buildings and. Uh, you know, unless unless it gets actually plowed under, and sometimes an old raspberry patch, right? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is good if you can stumble across one yep. of those when yep. you're, you know, How out to and about. homestead in Saskatchewan. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, so this is we got one more text that's come in. Uh, some from Manitou Beach again. I live in the woods, so my husband built a, a rooftop deck, and guess what? Rooftop planters. What kind of soil helps keep produce? Uh, keeps produce and, and light enough for the roof. So we're looking to grow up there, but what should they put in there? Well, one thing that you're going to have to watch is you have a, a nice light soilless mix, but with that, um, it's, it needs to be a deep enough container that it's going to be able to um, retain enough moisture as well too. So you may even want to add some soil moist crystals to that area too, because it might dry out a little bit um, on that rooftop container. Cause it's and there's a herb so and vegetable and mixes now. Right, that are made especially for doing vegetables in containers. Yeah, that one's a really good one because it yeah. still has the wetting agent in, so it's going it to dry of, evenly from yeah, top okay. to bottom. Right, because Debbie says that they've they've been growing flowers up there and they've been doing amazing, but now she wants to go to veggies. Yeah, yeah. so no problem. Same thing. If, if she's if, been if, growing flowers up there, she'll have no problem no growing problem vegetables. At all. 
Oh, okay. So just keep going with what, with what you've got there. Then yeah, it's going okay. with yep. what you've got, and you might just want to switch up your fertilizer routine a little bit more with um, with your vegetables. You more, use a more organic blend, and also you might want to add some calcium and some yeah. some more. Where the flowers don't need the calcium like as much as the vegetables do. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. When we are transplanting, or trans, I should say transporting, uh, say, you know, tropicals right now. Oh, I had a huge, probably nine foot fiddle leaf fig go out of the garden center the other day. Mm. I was like, it was like minus 28 and I was like, oh my goodness. But what you have to do is, uh, if you're going to be transporting a big, larger plant, bring a blanket with you, um, to the garden center. We can wrap it with a blanket and then wrap it with, um, either shrink wrap or paper, um, after that. Um, and then we can, we can bring it through there. So you want to have, you don't want to put plastic right next to the plant Mm -hmm. is really important. You want to have a barrier there. And then usually we will do a plastic bag and we're capturing air in there. So you're like creating like a mini greenhouse. Like a big Christmas tree bag. Yeah. That's perfect. If you have your Christmas tree bag, grab that. Um, if you're just transporting smaller plants, a Rubbermaid container with like a a little blanket or some cloth in it, that works great as well. Or even, even grab your igloo cooler. Yeah. Right. That's it's insulated, so a styrofoam cooler, styrofoam anything, cooler right? right? Yep. Um, so I guess that's that is a trick, though. If, it's great if you go to say a garden center and they do prepare the stuff for you. Yep. But there's lots of places people buy plants where mm, you know yeah. there's there's plants for sale. You're but, buying stuff off a of marketplace or Kijiji or something like yeah. that, and you go to someone's home and you don't just want to take it because that even just that like 10, 15 seconds from their door to your car, and you're like, it's going to be fine. I'm not doing it very well. You'll get home within about 48 hours. The first sign of frost is you'll start seeing almost like black um, rotting edges on your leaves and that's frost damage mm-hmm. happens really fast even really a big tupper, even a big uh, rubber made yes. right because you got when you close it off in, when you close it up inside this inside the where you're taking it from then you got warm air trapped inside there and that's enough to get it out to a vehicle as well yeah exactly right I wanted to ask you about this uh, while we've got some time and that is what tap what is happening with pruning right now well, right now, March, March and, and the first week and a half, two weeks of April is actually prime pruning time, except for birches and maples. Yeah, this is too late. You're not going to do those now until August. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. Birches and maples and, and. What things. temperature is too cold to be pruning? Uh, I don't, well, yesterday was too cold. Okay. <laughs> right. But now from now on, it looks like I'm looking at the long-term temperatures. It looks like the temperature across Saskatchewan is going to be, you know, in the, in the very low, um, tens or even in the high single, single digits, digits, minus digits, digits, right? Yeah. Minus digits. So now as long as you get outside and enjoy the outdoors, you can start doing your pruning your apple trees. And, and you're looking for like cross branches, branches that are rubbing. You're looking for any diseases or fungus like, um, black knot on your trees. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What other yeah. things could just, you be looking just for? Just doing some general, if anything's broken or something just to be thinned out or whatever. And also what you got to remember is elm trees. Now we only have one month to prune an elm tree. Otherwise it's illegal to prune an elm tree after that, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you need to hire, uh, you know, to, so the great big elm trees, you want to cut a branch that's hanging over the house or maybe over the garden or whatever, and you can't do it yourself. Now you need to get on that in this month to get the arborist to come in and clean it up. And if you're going to do it yourself, just remember that you can't store elm firewood in your yard. Okay, because it attracts the elm beetle, which brings the Dutch elm disease. Mm-hmm. So it has to go to the landfill and has to be buried. 
Okay. We had um, a guest on from Arborcrest the other day, yes. Robin. And if you go to the Arborcrest website, there's lots of great information about pruning on there too. So I was checking that out as well. So go to that website and there's some great information on pruning there. Okay, I've got my own pruning question. So sure. I've got spring, spring snow flowering cr- crab. Okay. okay. Yes. But I've noticed over the last few years, it hasn't gotten as many flowers as it used to okay. when they were first planted. Yep. But I actually haven't really done much pruning. So are those two things related? Yes. Yes? Absolutely. Okay. So do a bit of pruning just to thin it out a bit. because it's Now springs. it's a spring flowering. So can you prune it yep. now yep. or no, no, how no. much? You can prune it You can prune it up to a third. Okay. 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 I probably and don't need to prune it that far. You probably don't need to prune it that far. You just have to take some... You, yours is young yet. So you can probably just take some of the side branches that look like they're going to cross later, even if they're going to cross by the end of this year. Yep. And you can cut them off before they cause a problem of crossing. And right? now am I taking some of those branches right out or am I just pruning the tips of them or uh, what am I doing? In some cases, you take them right out. Okay. They might be just small. They only might be three or four inches long, right? But it's just that little bit of pruning will give it that little bit of a stress will cause it to bloom more. Will, will I, if I prune it now or soon, will that cause more blooms this spring? Yes. Or will it have to wait a whole no, other year? No, it'll cause more blooms this spring. And what if I did it in the fall? Will it still work for It'll the spring? Still work as well. So it's that fine. one's not setting its blooms. No, it's 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 kind of setting its blooms, but you're by putting it under stress, it'll 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 actually bloom better for you. So it's uh, like I said, you can do it in the fall, in October. Yep. Beginning of November, or otherwise you could do it in March, in the first two weeks of, of April. First two weeks of April. Okay. Now my flowering plants that I don't want to prune, prune right now because I want them to bloom in the spring. Yep. My lilac bushes. Lilac bushes. If you prune them too hard, you'll cut all the blooms off. Yep. Scythia. Uh, your double flowering plum, your flowering almond, uh, and also your your uh, your northern azaleas. You, if you prune them now, you'll cut all the blooms off. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. That that helps me actually because that's the only time I prune a lilac now is if it's twelve feet high and I need to get down to six feet tall. Yeah. You can't prune that after it finishes blooming like you would normally do, mm-hmm. and because otherwise you like the, all those other ones I just said like lilacs, double flowering plum, flowering almond, forsythia. You give them a light pruning after they finish blooming, and they'll push on new growth and bloom. But if I have to do a major pruning, I'm going to cut it back now and then not worry about the blooms for this year. one 332 8255 is how you join the conversation. Give us a call. Give us a text. We're going to take a quick break. More to come. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Welcome back to Garden Talk, and time flies and you're having fun. We'll get our last segment here, one 332 8255 This is a couple of texts that have rolled in. Uh, one says, funny, you say it's been too cold to prune trees, but the city of Regina has been doing this all week. And that is true. The major pruning companies that are hired by they, the cities. They're doing it mostly elms and yes. some ash and those kind of things, but they have only from September till till um, um, April to April 1st to do it. They have to go all winter. I guess when we say that statement, we kind of more mean that for the average uh, you know, home gardener, yeah. nobody really wants to be outside when it's yeah. minus 30, well, when you, you can choose a much nicer day. Yeah. And you don't want your branches when you're cutting them to shatter anywhere too yeah. on you, right? right? So. Whereas the cities with those crews have no choice. They have no choice. They have Especially to. when it comes yeah. to elms, right? When they have to do a whole... Do they try to get every tree done within every seven years? And how many trees, um, the inventory of, of urban forest they have, they have to just keep going. Exactly. Uh, Jeff in Saskatoon says, got a, I have a pine tree that's roughly 30 years old. It's still growing good from what I, what I can tell, but it's dropping lots of needles. Is there any way I can stop or reduce this from happening? Uh, what type of plant was that again? Oh, just, just a pine. Just a pine? Yeah. Uh, the number one is just nutrients. 
nutrients and uh, and and more of an acidic base, making sure that your your pH is is correct on them. And that's if you keep them healthy that way. Now you got to remember the inside of a pine will always lose its needles because it gets less light inside there, and they just mm-hmm. do needle shed normally. But if if you do a little bit of pruning, the outside gets thicker, and you don't see the inside anyways. Okay, right. so pines do tend to lose needles normally. Go into the forest around pine trees, you see lots of needles, and it's just natural. Uh, but it may be also watch for if you got an excessive amount of needle drop, look for spider mite. And you, there, nothing you can just see with the eyes. You need to use a magnifying glass to see the spider mite. And so you might have to do some uh, things with that because they suck on the needles as well. And uh, just make sure during the drought times that you're you're giving them adequate adequate water. I mean, the water just watering the lawn is not the same as watering a plant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so your tree, yeah, yep. That integrated pest management part of it is so key, and yep. a lot of times we start scouting for bugs when we see a sign of Problems. a problem. And what we want to do is we want to integrate pest scouting into our practice of gardening at an early stage. So every two weeks, I'm going out in my garden, I'm looking for bugs, and mm-hmm. that's really important. So you can catch the problem before it gets to the point where it's causing a problem yep. for your right, for your plant. right. Uh, let's go to this uh, text from Mike from White City near Regina. It says, good morning. Any solution to keeping rabbits and deer out of my yard other than a 12-gauge shotgun? Your dog. Everybody needs a deer dog. A deer yeah, dog. I had, we chased 30 deer out of the yard this morning again. So, I mean, just just constantly. There's, and then they go across halfway across the lake and they look back at us and they just come back again. <laughs> He, he gets out on the deck and he grabs his broom and he starts whacking it against the ground. He's like, like, what are you doing? Dad? He's like, it sounds like a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any solutions at this time of year to keeping them out? Uh, I'm going to put a deer fence up next year. There's just too many. Like I counted uh, yesterday morning, I counted across the lake. I, what I could see, not in the bush, but just in the open areas, I counted 71 deer and three coyotes. Mm. <laughs> so just in an open area, just within my view spot. Coyotes aren't doing their job then. They, they were in amongst, they're right in amongst the deer. I mean, they were deer weren't even moving. They were just laying down beside them. So, <laughs> Jeez. Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, so, Mike, sorry, we don't really have any answers for you in terms of like a deer fence. Deer fence. Uh, you can use some of the Bobex or you know the some of the critter ritter sprays on some of your plants. You can wrap each like the, my neighbors had pretty good success with the plants they wanted. The special plants they wrap burlap around them. Yes. And the deer hasn't touched any of the ones with the burlap. I've noticed that. Okay. So if you really need stuff to protect, get a yep. whole bunch of burlap and start wrapping stuff yeah, up. You did snow fence around some of yours too. Yep. Uh, this text is from Irene, who's in Martinsville. Says, good morning. How do I add bone meal to the garden? Do I put rows, uh, put it in rows or spread it over the garden? How much? And, uh, also hoping not to do a no-till, hoping also to do, I think, a no-till gardening this spring. Yeah. So, should I add the bone meal to rows or how do you do it? You could do it to rows. That's fine. Yeah. I um, mean, with, you could, right when you're seeding, you put the bone meal right in your rows. That'll be just fine. Yeah. I'll usually dig a trench with my row that I'm going to be planting my seeds and sprinkle the seeds right in that row. Or if I'm transplanting, I'll dig my hole, put the bone meal in the bottom of the hole and, and then no-till, just get a, just get a mulch and put a mulch in between, like I like using like the cedar mulches and mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. because at the end of the season, I can just till all that in 
and next year I can put another layer in. And that just keeps your lawn adding organic material into it, and, and it does really well. The University of Saskatchewan also has a great no-till gardening, gardening course that they offer. It's a oh. two-hour course, yep. so you can go onto their website and see when that will be yep. offered again. One more text to get in. Uh, this is referring to our rabbits and deer out of the yard from Mike. Uh, Julian Alameda says, Rabbits, try shaved Irish spring soap. Works, yep. works for me. So. I've rubbed Irish spring onto some of my trees to stop the, the, the bucks in the fall from rutting, and it worked really well for doing that okay. as well. Yeah. Okay. So she obviously is just shaving it and putting it kind yep. of around the, the yep. lower part of the plants. Irish and, spring. And get, yeah. I don't know how people, I don't know people use that to have a shower with it. If it keeps the rabbits away, what else does it keep away? <laughs> <laughs> Your wife's not going to be snuggling with you. <laughs> you wonder if they sell more of that soap for just this kind of thing or if people actually use it in the, in the shower. I've used it in, in my camper to keep the mice out of it. That's either. what I mean. Everybody's using it for that. Classic car, camper, keeping the deer away. <laughs> they should just rename it, hey? Irish Spring Deer, Deter- deer Deterrent. There's yeah. a new brand. There's a new brand. Okay, well, that's just about it for us today. Um, I think we got all the texts here, which is great. Thanks for joining us. We'll be, of course, back again next week live once yep. more. If you've got more texts, more questions, you can join us that time. Otherwise, I guess we're going to see a warm-up in some weather here this yes. week, so enjoy that. And We're going get, to get some really warm temperatures by the end of the week, so it's good. I guess so. Start Spring. clearing some of that snow away from my windows down, and start Down south, you probably will, will get, get rid of a lot of snow. Yeah, so. no kidding. Spring can't come soon enough. Here we yep. go. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. Thanks for listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.